Hi, friends. Welcome back to the State Tax Show, your home for the world of state and local tax. I'm Matt Hunsaker. On today's show, I invite Mike Sims into the studio for a discussion on how the COVID economy will affect state revenues and taxes. One thing I've noticed since I've been working at home is that I don't concentrate very well when the kids yell or do activities that are kind of loud unpredictably. And I found that my brain actually responds fairly well to music. I think that's because my brain can kind of expect what's coming next. And so lately I've been throwing on the old noise-canceling headphones and cranking up the music. Instead of listening to random playlists. I've been picking favorite artists of mine and listening to each of their albums in order from their first to their most recent. I'm talking all the way through from the beginning to the end. The other day I had to put in a 14-hour workday, which allowed me to finish off Pink Floyd. They've always been in my top three favorite bands. I'm, I'm not sure if a whole day of Pink Floyd is healthy mentally, but I did it. After going through that exercise, I thought I'd share with you my top three albums. I'm not a fan of their early stuff, really anything before Dark Side of the Moon. Well, except I do like the early album names. How can you not like The Piper at the Gates of Dawn and A Saucer Full of Secrets? The later stuff doesn't really do it for me either, so this is my order. Number one is The Wall. Number two is The Dark Side of the Moon. And then number three is Wish You Were Here, though a momentary lapse of reason is close on its heels. One of my daughters heard about my album binging, and she challenged me to listen to all of the Taylor Swift albums. So I'll be back next week with my top three Taylor Swift albums, if I survive. The things I do for you guys. We all know the economy is struggling with COVID-19, and not just people and companies, but also state governments. Last week, I sat down, virtually, with Mike Sims to discuss. Here's our conversation. Well, I'm joined today in the virtual studio with Mike Sims in our Philadelphia office, one of my fellow state and local tax colleagues. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. How are you in this time of quarantine? Well, I am doing very well, notwithstanding. Uh, but from what I hear, states are not doing quite as well. And I know that you are really up to speed when it comes to state economics. So I wanted to tap into your knowledge a little bit and see if you could provide us a quick overview of just how dire the current state budget situation is. Yeah, it's 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 a real shame and and it's been like a one two punch uh for the states with the coronavirus situation. <laughs> the first punch was that uh most states followed the federal uh, delay in 
making your April 15th tax payments. And almost every state uh, has a June 30th fiscal year. The vast majority of them do. A couple of outliers like Texas, your state has an August uh, fiscal year, and New York has a uh, 331. But the vast majority of states have 630 year ends, and they operate on a cash basis. So pushing that deadline back caused the current fiscal year collections to be down. So that was the punch number one. Punch number two is because of the whole coronavirus thing, companies and people, <laughs> individuals are making less. So income tax collections are going to be down in the next uh, fiscal year. And also people are spending less. And so sales tax revenues and other excise tax revenues, entertainment taxes, amusement taxes, gambling taxes, et cetera, are all down, going to be down as well. So it's been a real one-two punch. And then on top of that, many states are not really prepared uh, with, with their reserves and what they call their rainy day funds. And uh, as a result, the, you, know, you have a couple of states like Illinois uh, that have 0%. Uh, on, on the other end of the spectrum, you have California, which has about a 13% rainy day fund. Um, but the vast majority of states, again, only have rainy day funds that constitute about two to maybe five, six, seven percent of their budget. So that's you know really, really bad news for the states right now. They're they're in a, a, a serious serious world of hurt, unfortunately. Yeah, it seems like on top of that, also we have this situation with uh, the price of oil, and yeah. that's hurting our oil producing states as well as the lack of traveling seems to be a bit of a problem for states with their transportation funds that are based on gas taxes. Yeah, exactly. There's there's really nothing that's up. And, and you know, maybe you, you think, well, maybe liquor sales are going to be up. But a lot of the liquor stores, including in Pennsylvania, are closed. And, and actually, the, uh, the governor is predicting lower um, liquor tax revenues. So it's, you know, it's it, it's all over. It's all over. Very widespread. So what are states to do in this situation? Like what, what kind of levers do the states have to deal with situations where they don't have the cash that they need and they've depleted their rainy day funds? Yeah, well, they 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 really don't have a whole lot of levers because unlike the federal government, government they can't just print money. Uh, and also, if they want to go out and borrow money uh, because of the world of hurt that they're in, uh, the rating agencies have, have downgraded them. So their cost of, of borrowing is, is increasing. And uh, most states, either by constitution or by statute or just by policy, have to balance their budgets. Again, unlike the federal government, have to balance their budgets every year. So as we come up to June 30th, um, for most states, uh, just like you said, the states are going to be looking, well, what levers do I have that I can pull here? And, and the first, uh, perhaps most obvious, is they can reduce spending. But there again, there are a lot of essential services, and you don't want to be um, furloughing people, laying people off. So that's, that's, a, that's a problem. 
the other thing they can do is they can look, and as they've done, they've looked to the federal government to, to help to bail them out, and we'll see how that plays out. Uh, the third lever, which we mentioned, is a rainy day fund, not a whole lot there. But then the last lever, and particularly relevant to our topic today and, and, and our listeners, is they can raise taxes. And, and again, that's that's a double-edged sword because if they raise them too much, it's, it's going to hurt their economy. But I, I think that the, we're probably going to be seeing many states looking to raise taxes in some way or another. And what do you think that's going to look like? Is that going to be a, a rate increase, new taxes? Put on your put on your uh, yeah. prognostication hat and tell me tell me how states are are going to be raising taxes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope that I'm not going to tell you that they're going to be raising taxes, but I I think that now, frankly, is is a good time, a good great time, in fact, for for taxpayers and governments and, and all stakeholders to sit down and say, look, we're all in this together. And maybe raising taxes uh, is the answer, but if it is, let's do it in a thoughtful way. Uh, let's not necessarily target some industry or sector that, that may raise taxes and, and generate revenue in the short term, but have negative long-term impact. Uh, one example of that could be, for instance, uh, we see proposals on digital services taxes around the country. A few of them have been uh, sprouting up. You know, is that necessarily the right thing to do? I think that's a great opportunity for taxpayers to to step back and say, you know, maybe this isn't the right thing to do, and and contact their legislators and 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 have an active dialogue on uh, uh, a a holistic and thoughtful solution to this issue, which, like I said, taxpayers and governments are all in this together. Yeah, that raises a, another point is this isn't just an opportunity to to fix a what hopefully is a short-term problem, but in the context of trying to fix that problem, I think that we have a, a great opportunity to take a look at the bigger picture. And yeah perhaps do some larger scale tax reform. Absolutely. And 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 here again, I, I think you know dialogue is 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 the answer. But states and taxpayers have the opportunity to say, do we want to take small bites here? Or do we want to do something dramatic and radical and use this as an opportunity to simplify our tax system, to overhaul overhaul our tax system? And, you know, there are pluses and minuses to, to both, because if you just nibble around the edges, you may not accomplish much and you may not achieve the benefits of, of, a, of a wholesale uh, revamping of the tax code. Uh, however, if you jump into wholesale revamping of the tax code now and do it uh, hastily, you could end up making mistakes and paying the price uh, in both in the short term and the long term. So again, I think it comes down to saying, okay, how do we how do we analyze this problem? Get a bunch of smart people in the room and have an honest, thoughtful conversation and say, okay, how do we get out of this together? And one one interesting that thing that I saw speaking about, you know, rushing into this is that New Jersey took the unusual step, and, and I haven't explored whether, uh, you know, the legality of it, but they took the unusual step 
of extending their current fiscal year, which was going to end June 30th, 2020, by statute, they extended it to September 30th, 2020. And the reason was that they said, look, we want to hit the brakes here. We don't know. We know that the, that the what would have been the fourth quarter of, of 2020 was going to be down because, like I had mentioned, of the, the extended uh, due dates for personal income tax and corporate income tax payments. And they said, look, we're going to hit the brakes and give ourselves till June 30th to see how this plays out. And at that time, we'll have a better idea. So I think that that was, that, that was interesting. We'll see whether they perhaps hit the brakes too hard. But uh, that, that was a, I found that to be a very interesting approach to this. Yeah, definitely a very interesting approach. You had mentioned a while back that uh, one of the ways to solve the situation in a way that's best for everyone is to get a bunch of smart people in the room. And it seems like, well, I might be excluded from that room based on that criteria, <laughs> but uh, sometimes that the smart people in that room tend to predominantly be government folks. How do businesses get in that room? That's great, Ben. And well, I, I tell you, I would want you in that room. And <laughs> <laughs> the way that that, that would happen is uh, working in a number of ways. Uh, one way would be to work through a, a trade organization. Uh, another way would be to work through a local chamber of commerce. Those types of organizations are typically very involved in the legislative process. And then, uh, you know, a grassroots kind of effort as well uh, is another way, and that is to simply reach out to uh, one's uh, legislators and representatives and and have a dialogue. And, and frankly, I've seen many, many, uh, in fact, uh, I've not seen anybody, any legislator ever reject um, an opportunity to talk with a constituent about taxes and, and uh, about policy issues. So I, I think, you know, there are, I guess that's three different paths that a taxpayer could take to get into that room. Well, Mike, those sound like excellent ways for taxpayers to get involved. And I appreciate you joining us today from your home in Philadelphia, and uh, hope that you and your family are doing well. Thanks very much, Matt. Always a pleasure to chat with you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. I hope you guys found that interesting. It's definitely going to be a crazy time for us state tax folks until things settle down a bit. Well, in our world, I don't think things ever really settle down, but you know what I mean. Next week, I've got to cover some West Coast themes. California, Oregon, Washington. I don't know if we can get to all of them, but we'll start whacking away. Hey, thanks for listening. Until next week, this is Matt Hunsaker for The State Tax Show. The State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker and Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. The hiring of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Please visit BakerLaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.